thanks for that, Sasha. So, this week I think I've been in the world a bit, um, in the world of work. That's what today's sermon is about. And I actually got pulled onto the COVID wards um, at the Gold Coast Hospital on Wednesday, and my goodness, they are busy. It is packed full of sick COVID patients at the moment. Um, now, I know there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people with COVID in the Gold Coast, and so it's only a small proportion of people that are sick. Um, but it has been a really busy working week for me. I, I didn't do this to today because I said I needed to be at church, and so someone stepped into my shoes for today. So thank you, Joe Cherney, for stepping into my shoes. Um, but it means I didn't actually prepare this sermon as I normally would like to. I just put some things together in a PowerPoint this morning, and I actually I normally write out my sermons in full and, and read them out and, and edit them. Haven't done that this week. <laughs> Don't know how it'll go. Let's find out, hey? I'm sure. Spirit-led, letting go. That's it. Um, so, in the world, not of the world, is, is our, uh, our topic. What on earth does the world mean? Um, have a think. Don't need to say anything. Just have a think. What, what do you think the world means in that sentence? And what does it mean when the Bible has something to say about it? Well... Next slide goes to the world. This picture of a globe. It's the place we live. Uh, Often in the Bible, the world is just that. It's the place we live, this earth. With uh, passages like that in Genesis 10.9, since he was the greatest hunter in the world. Or Job 34.13. God, oh no, who set this whole world in place? So it's just talking about a location. Often the Bible just means that when it says world. However, sometimes when it says world, it means people, all people, everywhere. Like in 1 Chronicles 16.8, let the whole world know what God has done. Let all people know what God's done. Or John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world. God loved all people. And then sometimes the world means evil. Everything that's opposed to God. So like Romans 12, 2 says, don't confirm, conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the pattern of evil or sinfulness. Or 1 John 2, 16, everything in this world, and then he defines what he means by world, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eye and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. So think about what does it mean in the world, but not of the world. Have a think for a sec. What what does that really mean? And it's got a lot of nuance in that statement. And I'm sure you can all come up with something in your head that starts to put it together. Because it's a common thing that is said in Christian circles: be in the world, but not of the world. And so that's what we're we're looking at today. And we're doing a sermon series of four sermons. So the first one. Malcolm gave last week, which was about how do we interact in this world of business and commerce and big tech. This week, we're looking at how do we act within a workplace environment. So where we work, or maybe when we are uh, with people who are working. So tradesmen, salespeople, secretaries. Then next week, Malcolm's going to look at how do we involve ourselves in the world of politics. What's a biblical way to think about it? And then 
uh, the final week, we'll look at how we connect in the world of family and friends who aren't Christian. So that's kind of the, the short sermon series we're doing. And today we're looking at the workplace. So sometimes we're faced with a moral dilemma at work because of the work setting itself. So let me just remind you of the story of Daniel. So there Daniel was a nobleman of ancient Judah, ancient Israel. And the Babylonians came and attacked Jerusalem, besieged Jerusalem back in 605 BC. And think that was the year anyway, and they dragged out hundreds of people, hundreds of noble people and, and, and commoners, I guess, and uh, took them back to the city of Babylon, a thousand kilometers away. It happened again a few years later and the whole place was destroyed, but for now they just took a few hundred or a few thousand people back with them, kind of as servants and slaves, and resettled them in Babylon. And of course, uh, people like Daniel had Jewish law to follow. It was very important to Daniel to eat Jewish food, worship the Hebrew God, worship Yahweh, the true God. Babylon was a totally different place uh, without, you know, without the Hebrew God, with a whole host pantheon of gods, and with none of the, the rules of what could be eaten, none of the, the Mosaic law. But Daniel was obviously picked up as someone being very intelligent and really, really uh, a valuable asset to the kingdom of Babylon, or the empire. And so he was chosen by the king, by the emperor, to be one of his wise men, one of his uh, high up officials. And of course, in the training, he went to, I guess, kind of a university, he was supposed to follow a very strict training of reading and learning and language work and food, dietary requirements. And so the king ordered his chief of staff to bring to the palace some of the young men from Judah's royal family who had been brought to Babylon's captives. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon, he said, and the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. That's what we find from Daniel 1. So there Daniel is, in a new work setting, and he's expected to eat pork. He's expected to eat food sacrificed to idols. That's something his whole life he's been taught is evil and sinful. He's in a real dilemma now. What on earth should he do? Next slide. Of course, it's not just the ancient world that have moral dilemmas at work. It happened throughout history. So this is one of the most famous modern-day-ish, about 100 years ago, dilemmas. It's from, um, it's from the story of the Chariots of Fire. A man named Eric Little was a very fast English runner, world champion, and he went to the Paris Olympics. And he found out on the way that he was going to need to run the heats on the Sunday, for him, the Sabbath. And he felt strongly that he shouldn't run on the Sabbath. That wasn't the right thing to do. So I'm going to play a clip from the movie where he finds out. And the last words he says, I think, are, yeah, it does. Um, Simon, in Notepad, there's a link. Uh, people online, you may it may not come through very well. So what you might want to do is click on the link that Simon's going to send you in 
he's in the chat box in Zoom, and you can watch it yourself. Make sure you're on 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 mute. It's only a 35 second video clip. So once you've um, chatted the link, Simon, go to the next slide. <laughs> It does, doesn't it? For him, that was a crucial problem, a big moral dilemma. If he was going to get in the 100-yard finals, he needed to be in the heat, and the heat was going to be run on a Sunday, which was something that for him felt terribly sinful. Of course, moral dilemmas continue, and I, I face them in my work, and I'm sure you face them in your work. So this is a, a moral dilemma, and you may not agree with me, but for me, this is a moral dilemma. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to detract at all from Indigenous people, Aboriginal people, but at the beginning of every meeting in Queensland Health, we are required to acknowledge country. And now the words that are used vary. Sometimes words like onus is used, or respecting the spiritual... Um, respecting the, the spiritual connection that people have with the land and with their spiritual heritage. Sometimes that's in there. Uh, and I chair a lot of meetings now, and that's always put in the agenda by the secretary. And this comes up, and then what do I do? Do I acknowledge and say these words that I actually, I actually don't necessarily agree with every word in the acknowledgement? I'm happy with some of the words, but I'm not sure I agree with ownership or with words to do with um, the spiritual, respecting the spiritual um, beliefs mm. and believing them myself. So that's a moral dilemma I'm faced at work. And there are lots of little moral dilemmas through the day that work imposes in a public health system, and probably in every work system. Mm. And they're going to be different dilemmas in different settings. So... I would love you to now just spend some time silently thinking about dilemmas that you have faced or someone you know has faced at work. I'm going to hand out some paper and pens, Annie, and you can write them down. Just spend three minutes thinking. You don't have to write them down, but you can. And then we'll have a few minutes to share any dilemmas people would like to share. It's just workplace ones. Just workplace ones. Actually, I don't think we'll share these ones. We're going to share the next lot of ones. This is just to write down and think about for yourself now. But we're going to do another time of reflection and we'll share those ones. And for kids, you can do dilemmas that you face at school. And again, this is just for you. You don't need to share it with anyone. So it can be, you can write it down or you can just think about it. So sometimes these moral dilemmas are personal and someone might have a different point of view. So the Eric Little one, not running on a Sunday, a lot of Christians may feel very differently about that. And so it's probably important just at the outset to recognise that there is some grey in all of this. And ultimately it's up to what 
our conscience is telling us, what we believe God is telling us about a particular incident. But I'm sure you've all had had incidents or thought of incidents where there's been big dilemmas your workplace has placed on you or you've seen the workplace placed on someone you know. Mm-hmm. All right, Simon, do you want to go to the next one? <coughs> well, when faced with these dilemmas, sometimes it's hard to know how, how to react. But one thing is clear. The Bible calls us to stand on the side of God. So Daniel, think of Daniel. How did he react? Well, he was unable in good conscience to eat the food that the king was providing. So, this is what he did. He was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. So he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat the unacceptable food. He made a decision, put his hand up, he stepped forward into the unknown, and who knows where things were going to go from there. Eric Little, he made the decision not to run. And so he couldn't win the heat and win the medal. And instead, he went to church. And it's a beautiful scene in the movie, which I'm not going to play, where he reads a passage from Isaiah, where God says, He who honours me, I will honour. And that's something that should give someone strength when they're doing something they believe God wants them to do, when they're standing up in the way they believe God wants them to stand up. God will honour that person. And when something like this comes up, what do I do? Well, sometimes I just uh, leave it on the piece of paper for the agenda and just move to the next agenda item. (laughs) Sometimes, though, the words might be totally appropriate. So there are a number of options that can be chosen from. One of the options talks about Indigenous people being the traditional custodians of the land. That's fine. And one of them says... Uh, one of the options talks about honouring them, and that's fine too. It's not so. If that's the case, I'm very happy to read that out or have someone read that out. Um, it still doesn't make sense. We don't come to say a meeting and say the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't really make sense to me. But you know, it's not hard to do that because it's it's true. Um, and so find the version that doesn't that doesn't compromise uh, my spiritual moral beliefs. And so that might be an approach that can be used. And I'm sure for your dilemmas, you've got ideas about how you can approach it. But the important thing is to stand on the side that God asked you to. So how did you respond? Again, just reflect. How did you respond to the dilemma you faced that you wrote down? There's a, there's a great book. It's called In His Steps. It's a bit soppy, but I used to love it as a kid. And it's written by an American man, and it's based entirely on that premise. When you're faced with that moral dilemma at work or in your place of, in your home, how do you react? And it starts with, I haven't read it for about 20 years, but I think it starts with the minister giving a sermon saying, ask the question, what would Jesus do? 
And so then it follows the stories of a number of people of that church who ask that question and they take the hard road to stand on the side that they believe God wants them to stand on. So worth reading if you ever get the chance to read the book. Worth remembering though, not every moral dilemma is actually a real dilemma. It might be, but not all the things that we think are moral dilemmas are ones we need to stand up against. So, for example, I remember when I lived in the UK or reading about a police, um, a local police force that decided to uh, get a pagan chaplain. Right? Now, I think that's crazy, personally. But they were really proud they now had a pagan chaplain because there's a growing number of pagans in the UK. Now, I imagine some Christian, strong Christian police officers were quite uncomfortable with that. But is that a dilemma that they need to stand up against in their workplace or do they just in their personal life need to remain firm in their faith? And I, I don't think it's necessarily a dilemma that would say need them to quit. At university, there was a Muslim prayer room. There at all the universities, airports, workplaces. That's because Muslims need to pray a certain way um, and uh, in, in a personal space. And they need to do it five times a day. It's part of their religion. Now, there's no Christian prayer room. But is that really a dilemma that I need to quit university over? No, it's okay. Why can't they practice their religion, even if it's not the religion I agree with? In the gender world, this would be an issue with the medical. It might be. Mandatory vaccines for, for people going to their job. Now, now, that might be uncomfortable. Might feel it's wrong for the government to impose that. But... Is that a reason to quit work? Well, uh, now this is a real one for people right now, so I don't want to, don't want to, um, I don't want to cause any offence. But I think it's okay if people decide to get the vaccine so they can keep their job. I don't think there's any biblical edict saying you can't do that. Now you might want to choose not to have it for another reason, and that's okay. But I don't think it's cut and dry. Um, I can't have it because. Bible says I can't. It's just not that clear, is it? You've got to have another reason, and that's okay if you do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think the Bible mandates either way, does it? And so if someone wants to have the vaccine so he or she can keep his job, I think that's okay. Um, if someone doesn't want to have it, that's okay too. But Again, it's not necessarily a biblical dilemma, even if we think what the government's doing is wrong. So there are ways to respond, aren't there? So maybe the police uh, department that gets a, a pagan um, a chaplain, maybe we could ask for a Christian chaplain to be available. The university that has a, a prayer room, or maybe we could run a university Bible study. Uh, the government that says you must get the vaccine to have your job, you could maybe say, well... Okay, but you can let people know that you don't think it's fair to treat people differently based on whether they're vaccinated or not. And you can write to your government leaders or your work leaders and say, I think that's wrong. So there are other ways to respond sometimes. Sometimes the dilemma is imposed by the workplace. But I, as I think about it, I actually think more often than not, dilemmas are ones we create for ourselves in the workplace. So the story of Zacchaeus is a perfect example. In, in the ancient Jewish world, around the time of Rome, 
Rome collected taxes. The Jewish people who wanted to work for Rome would collect taxes on behalf of Rome, legal taxes, which Jesus admitted were legal. But often these tax collectors, they had no rules about how much they could collect. They just had to supply a certain amount to Rome. And then they collect a whole lot extra on the side for them. That's the real dilemma at workplace normally. It's cheating the system. It's being <coughs> greedy. It's stealing. It's doing things for yourself. And so the story of Zacchaeus is a perfect example. He used to collect a whole lot of extra money that he wasn't entitled really to collect. He got himself rich. He lived in a really immoral way at work. And so these are the sort of dilemmas that are actually more common. It's not, more often than not, it's not the workplace imposing a, a problem in us. It's our own sin coming out in the workplace and how we react in the workplace. So here's, of course, saw the, the <laughs> saw Jesus and that transformed him. It changed him, didn't it? And so when Jesus called Zacchaeus down out of the tree, Zacchaeus was changed. He knew God accepted him. And he came down and said, for the Lord standing, saying, I'll give half my wealth to the poor Lord. If I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. So Zacchaeus is a great example of someone who, who was doing the wrong thing, but he, he repented and he changed. Every day I've got this beautiful electric, partially electric car now, a hybrid, and I can drive about 40 kilometres on battery only with no petrol, which is great to get to Rabina and back, no problems. But when I go to Gold Coast University Hospital, it usually uses a bit of petrol. So I think, ah, oh, crumbs. I, I like it when I just use electric. It's quieter and it's cheaper. One day I thought to myself, you know what? I could just plug my car in. There are lots of PowerPoints in the, in the Gold Coast Hospital. Um, <laughs> I can just plug my car in and charge it so I can, you know, come home with, without having to use petrol. And then I thought, well, hold on, that's, that's probably stealing electricity, isn't it? As much as I want to do it, I'm not going to do it. Right after I had that thought, I drove into the car park. And I noticed another car, just like mine, doing exactly that. Every time I drive there now, I see about 20 cars plugged in, Teslas and, and my sort of car, plugged in, charging themselves. And it's tempting. <laughs> it's really tempting. I could save $100 a year by plugging my car in there. But you must not steal. Exodus 20, 15. The dilemma isn't so much my workplace, it's, it's me wanting to steal, isn't it? Well, they haven't given permission to do that. They haven't. No, no permission. Are you sure? I don't know. No, these are, these are PowerPoints for cleaners to use, you know, uh, and these aren't, these aren't designed for electric cars. These are just PowerPoints on the wall that are, are spread out randomly throughout the uh, car park. So, obviously, these people go along, they look for the, the one or three or four PowerPoints in that level, find that slot where they can park next to it and park. Yeah. The shopping centres have a few like that as well, though. Yeah, look, if there's, a, if there's an actual one you're allowed to use, it's totally different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, another thing to reflect on, and we will share these. If these, are more, these are, of course, more personal, so you may not want to share it. But uh, is there a moral dilemma you faced at work, one that you've created for yourself? Or someone you know has had this moral dilemma at work they've had to wrestle with. So spend a couple of minutes thinking about that. Write it down, be honest, and if you're willing to share, share. I'll give you a minute to, to think. I think the worst ones I've created are the ones where 
I make a mistake, and I know that there's a consequence for it, whether it's being shouted at or something. And it's the dilemma is, do I tell them or not, or do I just like hope they don't find out and just leave them? And yeah, the worse it, the worse it is, the mistake that you made, the less you want to confess and say I did this because you know that there's going to be some repercussions. So. so I guess not talking so much about um, accidents, yeah, 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 or unintentional things. But I suppose it's what are the... things you struggle with? Have a think. Have a think. Just spend a minute thinking. I'm sure there are plenty. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit does prompt you. Mm. When you're really following the Lord, you may have been able to obtain a reading of the Word. Mm. He will let you know if it's, if it's not right. He will. We have a fridge at work that has drinks and chocolates. And an honest system of putting money in. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can't hear on the Zoom, guys, uh, Shaland is telling a story about uh, a fridge with drinks and an honest system to put money in when you take one. Yes. And, um, you know, it may, when it's like three o'clock in the morning and you don't have any coins, it's like, oh, I really want to just grab something and, you know, and, and not, and often you see people take without putting money in, and you're just like, oh. Um, so, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And we did have one situation where one of the residents used to take our food oh. in the staff fridge. Obviously, hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he used to help himself. So that's something of someone else. But yes, it's just that. Yep. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. They're small things, but they're important. Anyone else got one to share? Does that, um, when you get the drinks and stuff from, does that have a phone number on it? So you can do like an hospital payment? We have now got... It's got a jar we put coins it's in. It's a jar. We now, we now do have a solution for that, but it wasn't there initially. But we're, I've done, I've done that and I've just written an IOU and gone back and fixed the next day. Yeah, we just That's all right. At the yeah. end of the yeah. month, yeah. we used to have lots of IOUs with no names. <laughs> 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 so it was very frustrating. But, you know, at that time, I just won't remember because yeah. I would go home. Yeah. So I just, if I didn't have money to put in then and there, mm. I'd grab because I knew that You'd even if I had the best intention, I forget. Yep. Um, Anyone else? Yeah, sometimes if I'm disorganised with a project or procrastinating a lot about it, it might go over what I wanted to invest in it. And so I have a dilemma of whether I should just rush it to get it fixed and finished as fast as I can, or whether I should kind of like just maintain the quality. Or the other side is I might sometimes be impatient with a client because of my own, I guess, difficulty with boundaries or like I'm um, sort of chipping away at project or something. Yeah. And so I might be tempted to, I guess, be passive aggressive towards them or something like that. Yep, yep. It's a good one. Sasha? If I can get my whole first thing, I actually lost my job because of that. Did you? Yeah. yeah. But it would take another time. Another time. Another time? All right, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Mm. Nicole? Yeah, I think maybe. Probably the biggest one is in a job where it's up to you to manage your own time doing non-work things at work. Because it is, you're stealing time and then if you haven't done your task and you've wasted time doing something that wasn't work, 
Well, that's the moral dilemma. You have a good being there to claim that time and work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also... Sorry, go, Malcolm. Really? <laughs> There's also when you have your own business, uh, like Tim or me, uh, there's ways to rip off the government. And so that's another dilemma as well. You can, you know, you can claim all sorts of things, but is there, you know, you've got to be very careful that you're doing the right thing there. So easy. Yes, that's exactly right. So I was thinking of the same thing, Malcolm, on your tax return. It's so easy to put my phone and my computer. I use the internet 50% of the time for work related. And, you know, it's easy to extend it beyond what's, what's true. And, and the accountant, of course, encourages you to. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. It's not in my yeah. hands. <laughs> I'm not guilty. And sometimes you've got to say, no, actually, I only used it, I reckon, this much time. For, and so I can only claim this much on tax. <laughs> so sure you didn't buy any stationery? No, I didn't. <laughs> so it's so easy to do. You're right, Malcolm. And with you, Nicole, it's so easy to put overtime in the time sheet if you're in that sort of position where you can yeah, do that. I oh, an extra half an hour. I went half an hour later than I really... Filling out a timesheet, yeah. honestly. A bit like Shalanda said, I think you've got to go in from the start going like, I'm never going to claim, yep. honestly. Otherwise, yep. you can see it becomes a habit for people. Yep. Yeah. I was thinking lunch break. Yeah. Yep. As well. Like you just a bit longer. Yep. Each break. Mm-hmm. Greed is usually behind all of these, isn't it? Anyone else have something to share, Brad? Because um, when, when you're doing a border crossing, you might be advised to say you're going for business meeting. <laughs> yeah. If you say any other words than that, then they'll, they'll turn you around. <laughs> so yeah. Yep. That's interesting. Thank you, Brad. Uh, Neil? I think tax is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, people will say to me, oh, you're doing little gardening jobs. Oh, just take the cash, put it in your pocket, don't put it on your tax. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm thinking, well, the scripture says that... Pay your taxes, yeah. you know, because those those are, they need the services, you know. And so, like, I don't know, like some of my side doesn't matter. Just just take the cash out and record it on your income. But you know, if we want God's if we want God's blessing, well, you know, we gotta we gotta honour God and do what's right. Yeah. You know, like um, what does it say? A good reputation is better than mm-hmm. Than gold, exactly. you know, like so. Hey, oh yeah, I can deal with that person. Look, there, they've got integrity. They're honest. Yeah. I found that also with employees. Like, if somebody, if you find out that an employee is doing dodgy taxes, you think you need. It's hard. This is sounding like a youth group confession scene. <laughs> <laughs> it is. These are what youth group is like. <laughs> Um, let's, uh, let's move on. So these moral temptations are far more common, I think, than the workplace enforcing or creating moral dilemma for us. It's much more common it comes from within. If I'm honest, it's usually me. It's not usually the workplace that I have to worry about. But that's more dangerous to our souls as well. But we've got to stand firm. Look what Jesus said. He said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Is cheating on your tax return worth giving up eternal life for? 
It's me stealing electricity worth giving up eternal life for. Now, I know when the complexities of theology of forgiveness, it's a small thing, but they grow. We all know sin grows. And one leads to another, leads to another, and eventually people turn away from God. So there's this great episode in The Simpsons, and Simon will put the link in the chat. This is going for about four and a half minutes, this clip. So this is the one where, where Homer steals cable. He steals stuff from his work. He steals stuff from the local bar. And uh, this big fight, this boxing match is on... At, then he invites everyone over, and you can only watch it because it's on cable that he's stolen. And it's just a really good reminder about how easy it is for these sins to grow and how they can steal your soul. <laughs> it's not worth losing your soul, is it? Galatians 6.9 says, Let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And that's true work. If, if we hold true to our faith, hold true to God, we are going to reap a harvest one day. may not be straight away. may not even be in this lifetime. For Daniel it was, wasn't it? He reaped his harvest because God blessed him and honoured him. And so he rose up the ranks in the Babylonian government. may not be that way for us, well, it won't be that way for us. <laughs> we're in the Babylonian government. Thanks, Hansan. It's not just ourselves, though, we're standing firm for at work or in any setting. It's actually for the sake of others. So, when we're at work, when we're living like a Christian, following God, it actually is noticed. People see it. Uh, I often, over the years, have had it's pretty common for doctors to get grumpy. I'm sure you know that, particularly surgeons. No surgeons here, so I'm safe. <laughs> but it's really common for them to get grumpy, grumpy isn't it, Yolanda? Yes. <laughs> um, and it's often not uncommon for some of them to get angry, to yell, and to swear. Yep, and be impatient. Oh, yeah, that's true. I haven't got the patience yet, but anyway. <laughs> and, and I'm often told at work, I've heard people say to me before, Graham, you never swear, you don't get angry. Why is that? And that actually gives me a chance to talk about faith. People see when we live the way God wants us to, and they notice. And even if they think our faith is stupid, they see and they notice. So we're standing firm for the sake of others too. So I want you just to think about these questions. How can you be a light? when interacting with those in a work environment, whether you're at work or whether you're interacting with people who are at work, at their work, how can you be alive? Do you need to act differently? Do you need to think differently about how you approach people at work or people like salespeople, tradesmen, secretarial staff that you come across in your daily life? So how can you live differently? Morally, in this fallen world, how are you going to do that? And will you obey God and glorify Him? Remember, this is what this is what Paul wrote: Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God.